Chapter Fifteen of the Vicar of Rexhill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Vicar of Rexhill by Francis Milton Trollope. Chapter Fifteen. Rosalind's conversation with Miss Cartwright. Mrs. Simpson and Miss Richards meet the vicar at the park. The hymn. The walk home. In the course of the morning after this letter was dispatched, Miss Cartwright and Rosalind again found themselves tete a tete. The nature of Rosalind Torrington was so very completely the reverse of mysterious or intriguing, that far from wishing to lead Henrietta to talk of her father, in that style of hints and innuendos, to which the young lady seemed addicted, she determined in future carefully to avoid the subject, although it was very evident from the preconcerted walk to the lime-tree, that notwithstanding her declaration to the contrary, Miss Cartwright was desirous to make her acquainted with the character and conduct of her father whether it were that spirit of contradiction which is said to possess the breast of woman or any other more respectable feeling it may be difficult to decide but it is certain that the less rosalind appeared disposed to speak of the adventure of yesterday the more desirous did henrietta feel to lead her to it you were somewhat disappointed i fancy miss torrington said she to discover that though you had contrived to banish the conventicle from the house it had raised its voice in the grounds indeed i was replied rosalind i rather think that you are addicted to speaking truth and perhaps you pique yourself upon it resumed miss cartwright will you venture to tell me what you think of the scene you witnessed you are not the person i should most naturally have selected as the confidant of my opinions respecting mr cartwright said rosalind but since you put the question plainly i will answer it plainly and confess that i suspect him not only of wishing to inculcate his own calvinistic doctrines in the mind of fanny mowbray but moreover notwithstanding his disproportionate age of gaining her affections her affections repeated henrietta and with what view do you imagine he is endeavouring to gain her affections doubtless with a view to making her his wife though to be sure the idea is preposterous sufficiently pray miss torrington has miss fanny mowbray an independent fortune none whatever like the rest of the family she has become by the death of her father entirely dependent upon mrs mowbray your fortune is entirely at your disposal i believe rosalind looked provoked at the idle turn miss cartwright was giving to a conversation which though she had not led to it interested her deeply do not suspect me of impertinence said henrietta in a tone more gentle than ordinary but such is the case is it not yes miss cartwright was rosalind's grave reply then do you know that i think it infinitely more probable mr cartwright may have it in contemplation to make you his wife i beg your pardon miss cartwright said rosalind but i really thought that you were speaking of your father seriously and it seems you are disposed to punish me for imagining you would do so to one so nearly a stranger i never jest on any subject replied the melancholy-looking girl knitting her dark brows into a frown of such austerity as almost made rosalind tremble a reasoning being who has nothing to hope among the realities on this side of the grave and hopes nothing on the other is not very likely to be jocose good heavens miss cartwright exclaimed rosalind what dreadful language is this are you determined to prove to me that there may be opinions and doctrines more terrible still than those of your father i had no meaning of the kind i assure you replied henrietta in her usual quiet manner which always seemed to hover between the bitterness of a sneer and the quietude or indifference of philosophy pray do not trouble yourself for a moment to think about me or my opinions you might perhaps as you are a bold spirited honest-minded girl do some good if you fully comprehended all that was going on around you 
though it is very doubtful for it is impossible to say to what extent the besotted folly of people may go but don't you think it might on the whole be quite as probable that mr cartwright may wish to marry the mother as the daughter mrs mowbray good gracious no then we differ but may i ask you why you think otherwise one reason is that mrs mowbray's recent widowhood seems to put such an idea entirely out of the question and another that he appears to be positively making love to fanny oh is that all i do assure you there is nothing at all particular in that he would tell you himself i am sure if you were to enter upon the subject with him that it is his duty to influence and lead the hearts of his flock into the way he would have them go by every means in his power then you really do not think he has been making love to fanny i am sure miss torrington replied henrietta very gravely i did not mean to say so indeed indeed miss cartwright said rosalind with evident symptoms of impatience these riddles vex me cruelly if your father does make love to this dear fanciful child he must i suppose have some hope that she will marry him how can i answer you exclaimed henrietta with real feeling you cannot be above two or three years younger than i am yet your purity and innocence make me feel myself a monster for heaven's sake do not trifle with me cried rosalind her face and neck dyed with indignant blood you surely do not mean that your father is seeking to seduce this unhappy child watch mr cartwright a little while rosalind torrington as i have done for the six last terrible years of my hateful life and you may obtain perhaps some faint idea of the crooked complex machinery the movements and counter-movements the shiftings and the balancings by which his zigzag course is regulated human passions are in him for ever struggling with and combating what may be called in their strength superhuman avarice and ambition to touch to influence to lead to rule to tyrannize over the hearts and souls of all he approaches is the great object of his life he would willingly do this to the hearts of men but for the most part he has found them tough and he now i think seems to rest all his hopes of fame wealth and station on the power he can obtain over women i say not she added after a pause while a slight blush passed over her pallid cheek that i believe his sense is uninfluenced by beauty this is far hatefully far from being the case with mr cartwright but he is careful most cunningly careful whatever victims he makes never to become one in his own person you would find were you to watch him that his system both for pleasure and profit consists of a certain graduated love-making to every woman within his reach not too poor too old or too ugly but if any among them fancy that he would sacrifice a thousandth part of a hair's breadth of his worldly hopes for all they could give him in return they are mistaken the character you paint said rosalind who grew pale as she listened is too terrible for me fully to understand and i would turn my eyes from the portrait and endeavour to forget that i had ever heard of it were not those i love endangered by it hateful as all this new knowledge is to me i must still question you further miss cartwright what do you suppose to be his object in thus working upon the mind of fanny mowbray his motives depend upon it are manifold religion and love the new birth and intellectual attachment mystical sympathy of hearts and the certainty of eternal perdition to all that he does not take under the shadow of his wing these are the tools with which he works he has got his foot perhaps you may think it a cloven one but such as it is he seems to have got it pretty firmly planted within the paling of mowbray park he made me follow him hither as a volunteer visitor very much against my inclination but if by what i have said 
you may be enabled to defeat any of his various projects among you for he never plots single-handed i shall cease to regret that i came my power of doing any good replied rosalind must i fear be altogether destroyed by my ignorance of what mr cartwright's intentions and expectations are you have hinted various things but all so vaguely that i own i do not feel more capable of keeping my friends from any danger which may threaten them than before this conversation took place i am sorry for it said henrietta coldly but i have really no information more accurate to give i truly believe that you have meant very kindly said rosalind looking seriously distressed will you go one step farther and say what you would advise me to do miss cartwright no certainly miss torrington i will not but i will give you a hint or two of what not to do do not appear at all better acquainted with me than i show myself disposed to be with you do not make the slightest alteration in your manner of receiving mr cartwright and do not from any motive whatever repeat one syllable of this conversation to fanny mowbray should you disobey this last injunction you will be guilty of very cruel and ungrateful treachery towards me having said this with the appearance of more emotion than she had hitherto manifested henrietta rose and left the room at length thought rosalind she has spoken out yet what are we likely to be better for it it seems that there is a great net thrown over us of which we shall feel and see the meshes by and by when he who has made prey of us begins to pull the draught to shore but how to escape from it the oracle saith not on the evening of that day mrs simpson and the eldest miss richards walked over from rexhill to pay a visit at the park they were not aware of the absence of mrs mowbray and seemed disposed to shorten their visit on finding she was not at home but rosalind who for the last hour had been sitting on thorns expecting mr cartwright to make his evening call most cordially and earnestly invited them to stay till after tea feeling that their presence would greatly relieve the embarrassment which she feared she might betray on again seeing the vicar but it will be so late said miss richards how are we to get home after it is dark remember mrs simpson there is no moon it is very true said mrs simpson i am afraid my dear miss torrington that we must deny ourselves the pleasure you offer but i am such a nervous creature it is very seldom that i stir out without ordering a man-servant to follow me and i regret excessively that i admitted and i regret excessively that i omitted to do so this evening i think said rosalind colouring at her own eagerness which she was conscious must appear rather new and rather strange to mrs simpson with whom she had hardly ever exchanged a dozen words before i think mr cartwright will very likely be here this evening and perhaps he might attend you home do you not think miss cartwright she added turning to henrietta that it is very likely that your father will call this evening good gracious miss cartwright i beg your pardon i did not know you i hope you heard that i called so very happy to cultivate your acquaintance oh dear i would not miss seeing mr cartwright for the world thank you my dear miss torrington thank you miss fanny i will just set my hair to rights a little if you will give me leave perhaps miss fanny you will permit me to go into your bedroom such was the effect produced by the vicar's name upon the handsome widow miss richards coloured smiled spoke to henrietta with very respectable politeness and finally followed her friend mrs simpson out of the room accompanied by fanny who willingly undertook to be their gentlewoman usher mr cartwright has already made some impression on these fair ladies or i am greatly mistaken said henrietta did you remark miss torrington the effect produced by his name i did replied rosalind and my reasonings upon it are very consolatory for if he has already found time and inclination to produce so great an effect there why should we fear that his labours of love here should prove more dangerous in their tendency very true nor do i see any reason in the world why the mowbray is in greater peril than the simpson or the fanny than the louisa 
excepting that one widow is about twenty times richer than the other, and the little young lady about five hundred times handsomer than the great one. At this moment the Mr. Cartwrights, father and son, were seen turning off from the regular approach to the house, towards the little gate that opened from the lawn, a friendly and familiar mode of entrance which seemed to have become quite habitual to them. Rosalind, who was the first to perceive them, flew towards the door, saying, "'You must excuse me for running away, Miss Cartwright. I invited that furbelow widow to stay on purpose to spare me this almost tete-a-tete meeting. I will seek the ladies and return with them.' then so will i too said henrietta hastily following her i am by no means disposed to stand the cross-examination which i know will ensue if i remain here alone the consequence of this movement was that the vicar and his son prepared their smiles in vain for on entering the drawing-room sofas and ottomans footstools tables and chairs alone greeted them young cartwright immediately began peeping into the work-boxes and portfolios which lay on the tables look here sir said he holding up a caricature of lord b m is not this sinful do be quiet jacob we shall have them here in a moment i really wish i could teach you when your interest is at stake to make the best of yourself you know that i should be particularly pleased by your marrying miss torrington and i do beg my dear boy that you will not suffer your childish spirits to put any difficulties in my way i will become an example unto all men replied jacob shutting up his eyes and mouth demurely and placing himself bolt upright upon the music-stool if you and your sister could but mingle natures a little said mr cartwright you would both be wonderfully improved nothing with which i am acquainted however joyous can ever induce henrietta to smile and nothing however sad can prevent your being on the broad grin from morning to night however of the two i confess i think you are the most endurable a whip for the horse a bridle for the ass and a rod for the fool's back said jacob in a sanctified tone upon my honour jacob i shall be very angry with you if you do not set about this love-making as i would have you don't make ducks and drakes of eighty thousand pounds at least not till you have got them answer not a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own conceit said jacob mr cartwright smiled as it seemed against his will but shook his head very solemnly i'll tell you what jacob said he if i see you set about this in a way to please me i'll give you five shillings to-morrow morning wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom seeing he hath no heart to it replied jacob nevertheless father i will look lovingly upon the maiden and receive thy promised gift even as thou sayest upon my word jacob you try my patience too severely said the vicar yet there was certainly but little wrath in his eye as he said so and his chartered libertine of a son was preparing again to answer him in the words of solomon but in a spirit of very indecent buffoonery when the drawing-room door opened and mrs simpson and miss richards and fanny mowbray entered it appeared that rosalind and miss cartwright on escaping from the drawing-room had not sought the other ladies but taken refuge in the dining-parlour from whence they issued immediately after the others had passed the door and entering the drawing-room with them enjoyed the gratification of witnessing the meeting of the vicar and his fair parishioners to the surprise of rosalind and the great though silent amusement of her companion they perceived that both the stranger ladies had contrived to make a very edifying and remarkable alteration in the general appearance of their dress miss richards had combed her abounding black curls as nearly straight as their nature would allow and finally brought them into very reverential order by the aid of her ears and sundry black pins to boot an arrangement by no means unfavourable to the display of her dark eyes and eyebrows but the change produced by the castigato toilette of the widow was considerably more important a transparent blonde chemisette rather calculated to adorn than conceal that part of the person to which it belonged was now completely hidden 
by a lavender-coloured silk handkerchief tightly smoothly and with careful security pinned behind and before and above and below upon her full but graceful bust rosalind had more than once of late amused herself by looking over the pages of moliere's tartuffe and a passage now occurred to her that she could not resist muttering in the ear of henrietta ah mon dieu je vous prie avant que de parler prenez-moi ce mouchoir the corner of miss cartwright's mouth expressed her appreciation of the quotation but by a movement so slight that none but rosalind could perceive it meanwhile the vicar approached mrs simpson with a look that was full of meaning and intended to express admiration both of her mental and personal endowments she too had banished the drooping ringlets from her cheeks and appeared before him with all the pretty severity of a madonna band across her forehead was it in the nature of man to witness such touching proofs of his influence without being affected thereby at any rate such indifference made no part of the character of the vicar of rexhill and the murmured bless you my dear lady which accompanied his neighbourly pressure of the widow simpson's hand gave her to understand how much his grateful and affectionate feelings were gratified by her attention to the hints he had found an opportunity to give her during a tete-a-tete conversation at her own house a few days before nor was the delicate attention of miss richards overlooked she too felt at her fingers ends how greatly the sacrifice of her curls was approved by the graceful vicar who now sat down surrounded by this fair bevy of ladies smiling with bland and gentle sweetness on them all mr jacob thought of the promised five shillings and displaying his fine teeth from ear to ear presented a chair to miss torrington i wish you would let us have a song miss rosalind torrington said he stationing himself at the back of her chair and leaning over her shoulder i am told that your voice beats everything on earth hollow his eyes caught an approving glance from his father as he took this station and he wisely trusted to his attitude for obtaining his reward for these words were audible only to the young lady herself you are a mighty odd set of people said she turning round to him i cannot imagine how you all contrive to live together there is not one of you that does not appear to be a contrast to the other two then at any rate you cannot dislike us all equally said the strange lad with a grimace that made her laugh despite her inclination to look grave i do not know that was the reply i may dislike you all equally and yet have a different species of dislike for each but one species must be stronger and more vigorous than the others besides i will assist your judgment i do not mean to say i am quite perfect but depend upon it i am the best of the set as you call us your authority mr jacob is the best in the world certainly nevertheless there are many who on such an occasion might suspect you of partiality then they would do me great injustice miss torrington i am a man or a boy or something between both take me for all in all it is five hundred to one you ne'er shall look upon my like again but that is a play-going and sinful quotation miss rosalind like your name so be merciful unto me and please not to tell my papa you may be very certain mr jacob that i shall obey you in this sweetest nut hath sourest rind such a nut is rosalind responded the youth and probably thinking that he had fairly won his five shillings he raised his tall thin person from the position which had so well pleased his father and stole round to the sofa on which fanny was sitting fanny was looking very lovely but without a trace of that bright and beaming animation which a few short months before had led her poor father to give her the sobriquet of firefly he was wont to declare and no one was inclined to contradict him that whenever she appeared something like a bright coruscation seemed to flash upon the eye no one not even a fond father would have hit upon such a simile for her now beautiful she was perhaps more beautiful than ever but a sad and sombre thoughtfulness had settled itself on her young brow her voice was no longer the echo of gay thoughts and in a word her whole aspect and bearing were changed she now sat silently apart from the company 
watching with an air that seemed to hover between abstraction and curiosity mrs simpson's manner of making herself agreeable to mr cartwright this lady was seated on one side of the vicar and miss richards on the other both had the appearance of being unconscious that any other person or persons were in the room and nothing but his consummate skill in the art of uttering an aside both with eyes and lips could have enabled him to sustain his position my sisters and i are afraid you have quite forgotten us murmured miss richards but we have been practising the hymns you gave us and we are all quite perfect and ready to sing them to you whenever you come the hearing this my dear young lady gives me as pure and holy a pleasure as listening to the sacred strains could do unless indeed he added bending his head sideways toward her so as nearly to touch her cheek unless indeed they were breathed by the lips of louisa herself that must be very like hearing the seraph sing not a syllable of this was heard save by herself i have thought incessantly said mrs simpson in a very low voice as soon as mr cartwright's head had recovered the perpendicular incessantly i may truly say on our last conversation my life has been passed in a manner so widely different from what i am sure it will be in future that i feel as if i were awakened to a new existence the great object of my hopes is and will ever be replied the vicar of rexhill almost aloud to lead my beloved flock to sweet and safe pastures and for you he added in a voice so low that she rather felt than heard his words what is there i would not do here his eyes spoke a commentary and hers a note upon it which is the hymn mr cartwright that you think best adapted to the semi-weekly sabbath you recommended us to institute said miss richards the eleventh i think yes the eleventh study that my dear child early and late let your sweet voice breathe those words and i will be with you in spirit louisa not even mrs simpson heard a word of this beyond dear child but when shall i see you i have doubts and difficulties on some points mr cartwright said the widow aloud how shamefully ignorant i must call it shamefully ignorant did poor mr wallace suffer us to remain is it not true louisa did he ever through all the years we have known him utter an awakening word to any of us no indeed he never did replied miss louisa in a sort of penitent whine i am rather surprised to hear you say that miss richard said rosalind drawing her chair a little towards them i always understood that mr wallace was one of the most exemplary parish priests in england did not your father consider him to be so fanny i-i believe so i don't know replied fanny stammering and colouring painfully not know fanny mowbray exclaimed rosalind not know your father's opinions of mr wallace that is very singular indeed i mean said fanny struggling to recover her composure that i never heard papa's opinion of him as compared with with any one else i do not believe you would have lost by the comparison said rosalind rising and walking out of the window is not that prodigiously rich young lady somewhat of the tiger breed said young cartwright in a whisper to fanny miss torrington is not at all a person of serious notions replied fanny and till one is subdued by religion one is often very quarrelsome i am sure serious or not you would never quarrel with any one whispered jacob indeed i should be sorry and ashamed to do so now she replied your father ought to cure us all of such unchristian faults as that oh, i wish i was like my father said jacob very sentimentally oh how glad i am to hear you say that said fanny clasping her hands together i am sure it would make him so happy i can't say i was thinking of making him happy miss fanny i only meant that i wished i was like anybody that you admire and approve so much 
a poor silly motive for wishing to be like such a father replied fanny blushing and leaving her distant place she established herself at the table on which the tea equipage had just been placed and busied herself with the teacups this remove brought her very nearly opposite mr cartwright and the two ladies who were seated beside him and from this moment the conversation proceeded without any asides whatever at what age mr cartwright said mrs simpson do you think one should begin to instil the doctrine of regeneration into a little girl not later than ten my dear lady a very quick and forward child might perhaps be led to comprehend it earlier eight and three-quarters i have known in a state of the most perfect awakening but this i hold to be rare what a spectacle exclaimed miss richards in a sort of rapture a child of eight and three-quarters did it speak its thoughts mr cartwright the case i allude to my dear young lady was published i will bring you the pamphlet nothing can be more edifying than the outbreakings of the spirit through the organs of that chosen little vessel i hope mr cartwright that i shall have the benefit of this dear pamphlet also do not forget that i have a little girl exactly eight years three-quarters and six weeks i beg your pardon my dear louisa but this must be so much more interesting to me than it can be to you as yet my dear that i trust mr cartwright will give me the precedence in point of time besides you know that as the principal person in the village i am a little spoiled in such matters i confess to you i should feel hurt if i had to wait for this till you had studied it you have no child you know oh without a doubt mrs simpson you ought to have it first replied miss richards i am certainly not likely as yet to have any one's soul to be anxious about but my own is this blessed child alive mr cartwright in heaven miss louisa not on earth it is the account of its last moments that have been so admirably drawn upon by the reverend josiah martin this gentleman is a particular friend of mine and i am much interested in the sale of the little work i will have the pleasure my dear ladies of bringing a dozen copies to each of you and you will give me a very pleasing proof of the pious feeling i so deeply rejoice to see if you will dispose of them at one shilling each among your friends i am sure i will try all i can said miss richards my influence could not be better employed i am certain than in forwarding your wishes in all things added mrs simpson young jacob either in the hope of amusement or of more certainly securing his five shillings had followed the indignant rosalind out of the window and found her refreshing herself by arranging the vagrant tendrils of a beautiful creeping plant outside it i am afraid miss rosalind torrington said he that you would not say amen if i did say may the saints have you in their holy keeping i do believe in my heart that you would rather find yourself in the keeping of sinners the meaning of words often depends upon the character of those who utter them replied rosalind there is such a thing as slang mr jacob and there is such a thing as cant did you ever mention that to my papa miss rosalind inquired jacob in a voice of great simplicity rosalind looked at him as if she wished to discover what he was at whether his object were to quiz her his father or both but considering his very boyish appearance and manner there was more difficulty in achieving this than might have been expected sometimes she thought him almost a fool at others quite a wag at one moment she was ready to believe him more than commonly simple-minded and at another felt persuaded that he was an accomplished hypocrite it is probable that the youth perceived her purpose and felt more gratification in defeating it than he could have done from any love-making of which she were the object his countenance which was certainly intended by nature to express little besides frolic and fun was now puckered up into a look of solemnity that might have befitted one of the newman street congregation when awaiting an address in the unknown tongue i am sure he said that my papa would like to hear you talk about all those things very much miss torrington 
I do not think that he would exactly agree with you in every word you might say, but that never seems to vex him. If the talk does but go about heaven and hell, and saints and sinners, and reprobation and regeneration, and the old man and the new birth, that is all papa cares for. I think he likes to be contradicted a little, for that, you know, makes more talk again. Is that the principle upon which you proceed with him yourself, Mr. Jacob? Do you always make a point of contradicting everything he says? Pretty generally, Miss Torrington, when there is nobody by, and when I make it all pass for a joke. But there is a law that even Miss Henrietta has been taught to obey, and that is never to contradict him in company. Perhaps you have found that out, Miss Rosalind. Perhaps I have, Mr. Jacob. Will you not come in to tea, Miss Torrington? said Henrietta, appearing at the window, with the volume in her hand which had seemed to occupy her whole attention from the time she had re-entered the drawing-room with Rosalind. I wish, sister, said Jacob, affecting to look extremely cross, that you would not pop out so to interrupt one's conversation. You might have a fellow-feeling, I think, for a young lady when she walks out of a window and a young gentleman walks after her. Rosalind gave him a look from one side, and Henrietta from the other. "'Mercy on me!' he exclaimed, putting his hands, as if to guard the two sides of his face. Four black eyes at me at once, and so very black in every sense of the word!' The young ladies walked together into the room, and Jacob followed, seeking the eye of his father, and receiving thence, as he expected, a glance of encouragement and applause. When the tea was removed, Mr. Cartwright went to the pianoforte, and ran his fingers with an appearance of some skill over the keys. "'I hope, my dear Fanny, that you intend we should have a little music this evening.' "'If Mrs. Simpson, Miss Richards, and Miss Torrington will sing,' said Fanny, "'I shall be very happy to accompany them.' "'What music have you got, my dear young lady?' said the vicar. Miss Torrington had a large collection of songs very commodiously stowed beneath the instrument, and Helen and herself were nearly as amply provided with pianoforte music of all kinds. But though this was the first time Mr. Cartwright had ever approached the instrument or asked for music, Fanny had a sort of instinctive consciousness that the collection would be found defective in his eyes. "'We have several of Handel's oratorios,' she replied, "'and I think Helen has got the creation.' "'Very fine music both,' replied Mr. Cartwright, "'but in the social meetings of friends, where many, perhaps, may be able to raise a timid note toward heaven, though incapable of performing the difficult compositions of these great masters, I conceive that a simpler style is preferable.' if you will permit me he continued drawing a small volume of manuscript music from his pocket i will point out to you some very beautiful and indeed popular melodies which have heretofore been sadly disgraced by the words applied to them in this little book many of my female friends have at my request written words fit for a christian to sing to notes that the sweet voice of youth and beauty may love to breathe miss torrington i have heard that you are considered to be a very superior vocalist will you use the power that god has given to him his praise there was too much genuine piety in rosalind's heart to refuse a challenge so worded without a better reason for doing it than personal dislike to mr cartwright nevertheless it was not without putting some constraint upon herself that she replied i very often sing sacred music sir and am ready to do so now if you wish it a thousand thanks said he for this amiable compliance I hail it as the harbinger of harmony that shall rise from all our hearts in sweet accord to heaven. Rosalind coloured, and her heart whispered, I will not be a hypocrite. But she had agreed to sing, and she prepared to do so, seeking among her volumes for one of the earliest and shortest of Handel's songs, and determined when she had finished to make her escape. While she was thus employed, however, Mr. Cartwright was equally active in turning over the leaves of his pocket companion, and before Miss Torrington had made her selection, he placed the tiny manuscript volume open upon the instrument, saying, "'There, my dear young lady, this is an air, and these are words which we may all listen to with equal innocence and delight.' 
rosalind was provoked but every one in the room had already crowded round the piano and having no inclination to enter upon any discussion she sat down prepared to sing whatever was placed before her the air was undeniably a popular one being none other than fly not yet which as all the world knows has been performed to millions of delighted listeners in lofty halls and tiny drawing-rooms and moreover ground upon every hand-organ in great britain for many years past rosalind ran her eyes over the words which in fair feminine characters were written beneath the notes as follows fly not yet tis just the hour when prayerful christians own the power that inly beaming with new light begins to sanctify the night for maids who love the moon o oh, pray o oh, pray tis but to bless these hours of shade that pious songs and hymns are made for now their holy ardour glowing sets the soul's emotion flowing o oh, pray o oh, pray prayer so seldom breathes a strain so sweet as this that o oh, tis pain to check its voice too soon o oh, pray o oh, pray an expression of almost awful indignation rose to the eyes of rosalind do you give me this sir she said as a jest or do you propose that i should sing it as an act of devotion mr cartwright withdrew the little book and immediately returned it to his pocket i am sorry miss torrington that you should have asked me such a question he replied with a kind of gentle severity which might have led almost any hearer to think him in the right i had hoped that my ministry at rexhill short as it has been could not have left it a matter of doubt whether in speaking of singing or prayer i was in jest nevertheless sir replied rosalind it does to me appear like a jest and a very indecent one too thus to imagine that an air long familiar to all as the vehicle of words as full of levity as of poetry can be on the sudden converted into an accompaniment to a solemn invocation to prayer uttered too in the form of a vile parody i think that a very few words may be able to prove to you the sophistry of such an argument returned the vicar you will allow i believe that this air is very generally known to all classes is it not so rosalind bowed her assent well then let me go a step farther and ask whether the words originally set to this air are not likely to be recalled by hearing it beyond all doubt now observe miss torrington that what you have been pleased to call levity and poetry i in my clerical capacity denounce as indecent and obscene is that your reason for setting me to play it said rosalind in a tone of anger that question again does not i fear argue an amiable and pious state of mind replied mr cartwright appealing meekly with his eyes to the right and left it is to substitute other thoughts for those which the air has hitherto suggested that i conceive the singing this song as it now stands desirable might it not be as well to leave the air alone altogether said rosalind decidedly not replied the vicar the notes as you have allowed are already familiar to all men and it is therefore a duty to endeavour to make that familiarity familiarly suggest thoughts of heaven thoughts of heaven said rosalind should never be suggested familiarly dreadful very dreadful doctrine that miss torrington and i must tell you in devout assurance of the truth i speak that it is in order to combat and overthrow such notions as you now express that heaven hath vouchsafed by an act of special providence to send upon earth in these later days my humble self and some others who think like me and permit me sir in the name of the earthly father i have lost replied rosalind while her eyes almost overflowed with the glistening moisture her earnestness brought into them permit me in his reverence name to say that constant prayer can in no way be identified with familiarity of address and that of many lamentable evils which the class of preachers to whom you allude have brought upon blundering christians 
that of teaching them to believe that there is righteousness in mixing the awful and majestic name of god with all the hourly petty occurrences of this mortal life is one of the most deplorable may your unthinking youth my dear young lady plead before the god of mercy in mitigation of the wrath which such sentiments are calculated to draw down oh sobbed miss richards alas sighed mrs simpson how can you rosalind speak so to the pastor and master of our souls said fanny while tears of sympathy for the outraged vicar fell from her beautiful eyes my dear children my dear friends said mr cartwright in a voice that seemed to tremble with affectionate emotion think not of me remember the words blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake i turn not from the harsh rebuke of this young lady albeit i am not insensible to its injustice nor indeed blind to its indecency but blessed oh most blessed shall i hold this trial if it lead to the awakening holy thoughts in you my dear young lady he continued rising from his seat and approaching rosalind with an extended hand it may be as well perhaps that i withdraw myself at this moment happily reflection may soften your young heart but let us part in peace as christians should do rosalind did not take his offered hand in peace sir she said decidedly i desire you to depart in peace i have no wish to molest you in any way but you must excuse my not accepting your proffered hand it is but an idle and unmeaning ceremony perhaps as things go but the manner in which you now stretch forth your hand gives a sort of importance to it which would make it a species of falsehood in me to accept it when it means anything it means cordial liking and this sir i do not feel for you so saying rosalind arose and left the room fanny clasped her hands in a perfect agony and raising her tearful eyes to heaven as if to deprecate its wrath upon the roof that covered so great wickedness exclaimed oh mr cartwright what can i say to you mrs simpson showed symptoms of being likely to faint and as mr cartwright and fanny approached her miss richards with a vehemence of feeling that seemed to set language at defiance seized the hand of the persecuted vicar and pressed it to her lips several minutes were given to the interchange of emotions too strong to be described in words female tears were blended with holy blessings and as jacob afterwards assured his sister who had contrived unobserved to escape he at one time saw no fewer than eight human hands great and small all mixed together in a sort of chance medley heap upon the chair round which they at length kneeled down it will be easily believed that miss torrington appeared no more that night and after an hour passed in conversation on the persecutions and revilings to which all the godly are exposed mrs simpson who declared herself dreadfully overcome proposed to miss richards that they should use such strength as was left to them to walk home a very tender leave was taken of fanny in which mr jacob zealously joined and the party set out for a starlit walk to rexhill its vicar supporting on each arm a very nervous and trembling hand mr cartwright soon after passing the park lodge desired his son to step forward and order the clerk to come to him on some urgent parish business before he went to bed the young man darted forward nothing loath and the trio walked at a leisurely pace under the dark shadows of the oak trees that lined the road to the village they passed behind the vicarage when the two ladies simultaneously uttered a sigh and breathed in a whisper sweet spot can it be doubted that both were thanked by a gentle pressure of the arm the house of mrs simpson lay on the road to that of mrs richards and miss louisa made a decided halt before the door distinctly pronouncing at the same time good night my dear mrs simpson but this lady knew the duties of a chaperon too well to think of leaving her young companion till she saw her safely restored to her mother's roof oh no my dear she exclaimed if your house were a mile off louisa i should take you home but you have been so poorly persisted the young lady and it is so unnecessary 
it is right returned mrs simpson with an emphasis that marked too conscientious a feeling to be further resisted so miss richards was taken home and the fair widow languidly and slowly retraced her steps to her own door with no other companion than the vicar of rexhill end of chapter fifteen end of the first volume